A people without the knowledge of their past history, origins, and culture is like a tree without roots. Marcus Garvey Welcome to the Revisionist History Podcast, where we set the historical record straight, no matter who it might offend. I'm Paul, and today's episode is both lighthearted and heartbreaking. At least, for me, it's a little heartbreaking. Our tagline here at Revisionist History is setting the record straight, no matter who it might offend. Well, as you'll learn shortly, who we're offending today is me, at 10 years old. But before we get into that, I need, in the interest of fairness, to go back to something I referenced in our very first episode. One of the things that spurred the creation of this podcast, aside from a love of history, was my outrage at a kid on YouTube ranking U.S. presidents by how woke they were, and his complete lack of any actual historical knowledge in doing so revisionist history at its worst, and a sure sign that today's generation is so historically ignorant in comparison to previous generations that there's just no hope left for Western civilization. Except, except that of course this generation isn't the first to buy into historical fallacy because of sheer laziness, not by a long shot. Sure, it's easier to disseminate false information today than ever before, what with Twitter and Wikipedia and YouTube. But an honest assessment turns up just as many historical errors, myths, and outright falsehoods in another cherished means of mass communication from a bygone era, Saturday morning cartoons. Specifically, one hugely popular series of educational animated shorts called Schoolhouse Rock. When we come back, we're going to take a look at it. You don't have to have grown up in the 1970s to know about Schoolhouse Rock. You can also find them on YouTube and DVD to this day. The shows, and particularly the song each show contained, have become a part of our culture, our collective memory, even our nightmares. I still hear the verse, I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. Every time the news mentions pending legislation in Congress. When I write... I'm always conscious of not overusing words ending in L-Y, as the song Lolly Lolly Lolly, Get Your Adverbs Here, wafts through my brain. But these are innocuous, being about governmental functions and grammar, respectively. The historical aspect starts when we get to the section of Schoolhouse Rock called, almost jingoistically, America Rock. America Rock dealt with early American history at an exciting time in the United States, the bicentennial celebration of 1976. The show and the celebration itself actually started a little bit earlier in 1975. And while it did introduce kids, including me, to history, much of it superficially accurate, it had some issues. Those issues are 
what I want to take a look at today. So we're going to run through several of the episodes of America Rock and see where they fall a little bit short as far as revisionist history. The episode No More Kings deals specifically with the Boston Tea Party, but it goes well beyond the event itself and paints the entire revolution in actuality in a kind of strange light. One of the first lines in the song has the colonists telling King George III, we're going to build a new land the way we planned. Could you help us run it till it's grown? The episode then goes on to show that the colonists reached a point of development where they no longer needed George III's help, quote-unquote, and decided to run things on their own. But the despotic tyrant said no and sent troops to put the unruly Americans in their place. The problem with this line of narrative should be obvious. It makes it seem like from the very beginning, the early English settlers always planned on breaking away from England and that George III knew that they always planned on breaking away, but at the last minute, he changed his mind because he was insane. Although he was a little insane, that's true. It kind of presents to the children the idea that George III was just breaking a promise to the American colonists by not letting them become their own nation, when we all know that's not true. The idea of breaking away from England took 150 years to develop. And in this song, it's compressed into three minutes and compressed quite inaccurately. The episode does show the taxation without representation issue, but it shows George III laughing maniacally as all the money in the colonies is taken from them and they live in poverty, which again, certainly was not the case. The episode ends with the final straw for the colonists, the tax on tea which causes such a temper tantrum among them that they simply break with England, elect a president who cares about the people, and live happily ever after. It makes for a catchy song, but not for great history. They did a little bit better with the episode called The Shot Heard Around the World about the actual start of the revolution. I mean, this one hits the Encyclopedia Britannica highlights pretty well and pretty accurately even mentioning losses, some key historical figures that you don't always hear about, and the help that we got from Spain and France in defeating England. So I really don't have a whole lot of problem with the shot heard around the world. The episode Elbow Room, however, has major problems. This one's about manifest destiny, and like the concept of manifest destiny itself, It presents the expansion of America from coast to coast as a foregone conclusion and something that just naturally made sense without any kind of regard to who actually owned that area in between the coasts. It has some seemingly throwaway lines that matter a lot, like Lewis and Clark hired Sacagawea to help them. That's an interesting word to use. And that... There were plenty of fights over land rights during the westward expansion. Now, if by plenty of fights over land rights, they mean fights with the Native Americans who actually already inhabited the land, that's pretty much true. But that's not how they present it in the episode. Nor do they mention the war with Mexico or any of the other things that we basically 
did to steamroll America westward. The Transcontinental Railroad is mentioned in one line, with white men in top hats hammering the final connecting spike without a Chinese indentured servant anywhere in sight. And while there's no mention that Manifest Destiny also led to the Spanish-American War, colonization of Puerto Rico, the Philippines, and other areas, it does say that if we ever need that elbow room again, we'll just colonize the moon, which may have been a big thing to say in 1976, but looks a little silly now. Another questionable episode is the Great American Melting Pot. This one's actually more idealism than history. It presents a country of immigrants who perfectly assimilate into a brand new culture, regardless of race, religion, creed, or ethnicity, with no issues, like no no Irish need apply signs during the potato famine migration. It's also a very Eurocentric assimilation, with brief references, only brief references, to brown or black immigrants. The episode Suffering Till Suffrage about the women's suffrage movement is also more of an idealistic little thing than it is history. It really only mentions Susan B. Anthony and a few of the other women who were key in the suffrage movement, but it's more of a girl power video than history and really not worth putting in that section. The last one I want to look at is the preamble. Now this one's pretty simple and straightforward, and the best part of it is that it has helped me to remember the actual preamble for 40 years. It really doesn't do much else, except throw a subtle dig at the fact that kids, who are the main viewers of the show, can't vote. From a straight artistic standpoint, some of the songs are good, some of them are horrible. There's some good history tidbits, but it could have been done better. Now, maybe I'm being overly critical of a three-minute show aimed at 7- to 11-year-olds. Maybe not. Obviously, you're not going to throw university-level information at a fourth grader. For lessons to be effective, they do have to be age-appropriate. But that does not mean that they have to be dumbed down. And history should never be changed, glossed over, or otherwise altered to increase its entertainment value. America Rock isn't remotely the travesty that Mel Gibson's film The Patriot is from an accuracy standpoint, but any revision is a slippery slope. In my case, I was fortunate. Schoolhouse Rock, and America Rock especially, sparked an interest in history for me at a young age, which I think was the goal. I was fortunate in that I had parents and teachers who encouraged me to take that interest beyond a superficial level to question things that seemed not quite right, like how did Columbus discover America if there were already people living here? The lesson here, I think, is that you cannot assume that even kids' programs are free of bias, error, and even intentional manipulation toward a certain historical narrative. Watch what your kids are watching and discuss it with them. Explain where the message is historically accurate and where it isn't. But to do that, you have to know the facts yourself, which takes effort. But the effort's well worth it. We'll see you next time.
Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you found it both informative and entertaining. If you'd like to help us keep episodes like this coming, please consider clicking on the support this podcast link in the show notes. Thanks a lot.